Hey guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Austin Nasso here. I had a really exciting interview recently with Sierra Catal. She's very funny. She's similar to me in a way. Uh, she studied computer science and uh, stand-up comedy. However, she studied computer science at Harvard, uh, has been on TV multiple times for stand-up, and she is an Asian woman. So we are a little bit different, um, but that's okay. And that's why I interviewed her, because I want to pick her brain on her success and her experience. Uh, and this was a really interesting talk. Uh, we talk about the Harvard Stand-Up Comedy Club, uh, being an Asian-American woman in comedy, what that's like, getting into coding, doing uh comedy at colleges, so both while in college and afterwards, uh, the post-college guilt, process of selling an animated short to a major network, that's really interesting, so that, that part's really cool, uh, getting into the laugh factory, how to break into that scene, uh, what our comedy end goals are, and what the options are for most people, um, festivals being a bit overhyped, and morning rituals, and much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation because I found it super helpful and I hope you guys will too. Hi guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm sitting here with a Sierra Cattell, who is a uh, very funny lady. She was a computer science major at Harvard and then uh, broke into the comedy scene also when she was 16 years old, one of the youngest Comedians featured on Last Comic Standing. Uh, your stand-up was featured on Last Call with Carson Daly. Laughs on Fox. Acting out on MTV. And you have a ton of festival credits, mm. which is really cool. Gotta put them on the website, you know? <laughs> yeah. You've done so much stuff, and you're my age. And it's so interesting because we both have, like, similar paths. In a way. I mean, actually, the only thing similar is, like, we did comedy and yeah, science. Yeah, no, but that's unique. Which is, like, right? kind of, I don't that's know that many unique. people. Yeah, yeah, I only know a handful, but um, you're so successful. Oh God, and I'm no. just doing computer science. Oh, I do you're, comedy, you're, of course. Yeah, well, look, you're working at Microsoft remotely. That's yes, crazy. Yes, hacking the system, as you said. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I just want to like pick your brain because your life is so cool. Oh God, not I, I'm going to disappoint, unfortunately. But yeah, thank you for the kind words. So you said you knew of. Like you, I guess you saw me at the improv space. When, yeah, yeah. From I Nathan, think so. I didn't and know then, you knew Nathan. Yeah, he uh, must have met him like when I was in LA over the summer or something. But I knew he went to UCLA, and that then he kind of introduced me to the fact that there are a lot of UCLA students who do stand up, which is awesome because yeah. I was always very jealous of the fact that you guys are like in LA the whole time, you know. And there yeah. was a great scene in Boston, so I can't complain. But um, but it was cool to see, and I, I know. Um, there's Salma Zaki, I think. Yeah, Salma. Yeah. She's one of my good friends. So she... Uh, she gets, like, shouted out on every podcast. Like, she <laughs> literally, like, Mackie uh, Leeper just... Uh, I interviewed him, and he's like, oh, Salma's great. And oh, she great. was like... Oh, well, another, another shout-out. Another shout-out. <laughs> Salma's yeah. famous. She is the one who uh, uh-huh. told me uh, who's feeding me all these people to interview. Oh, well, there you go. She direct, shouted you out. Direct line. Well, thank you. And then, yeah, I think they interviewed me on their podcast when they had one at Oh, students UCLA? in... College comedians yeah, in college yeah, doing good whatever. Title. Yeah, uh, comedian, yeah, in college students doing stand up. I guess I think it's so. supposed to be like yeah, comedians yeah, in college. Get I mean comedians comedian, in cars, cars coffee, whatever. Coffee, yeah, we made it work. Um, yeah, so then that's how I met nice. those folks, and then yeah, it seems like a great a great um, thing. You guys have alumni like Ali Wong. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, we had good her come in. Rate. Uh, uh-huh. our junior, my junior year, 
which was 2016. Cool. And she came in and before I think right when uh I don't what baby cobra mom sorry I'm saying oh, yeah. it's wrong uh, god damn it baby cobra baby, the first one baby cobra yeah, I'm yeah. so dumb okay yeah that one that album came out oh, yeah I should know that <laughs> um but yeah that was really cool sweet um so wait how did you um so you came out to LA after you graduated college yeah yeah like a few months after I guess but I'm from out here actually so it was oh, kind of okay. you know me just moving home. And uh, I'd known it from summers and stuff. I mean, like the comedy scene. So it didn't feel as brand new. But yeah. I enjoyed coming in a capacity where I knew I was going to stick around for a while. So that was cool. And then finally, some friends were moving out from college. So I kind of had more of a community than like what I used to be before, which was kind of isolated. You know, not yeah. a lot of friends would come out to L.A. during the summers that I knew who were doing stand up because it was hard, you know, for a lot of them, like. What were they going to do at the same time out here or whatever, but... Did you have a lot of friends doing stand-up at Harvard? Um, or in Boston, You I know, guess? kind of. Actually, I realized a lot of picked it up since graduating. Um, but I did have a lot in college because we had a club. We had our, oh. like, little Harvard College Stand-Up Comic Society. Is it one of those, like, ancient, like, clubs? It isn't, actually. It's only, like... Well, it's probably like 10 years old. Okay. 11. I think they had their 10 year anniversary. Um, Harrison Greenbaum, who is a working comic, very, very hardworking and like successful now, he founded it. And then he, um, yeah, and like, I guess Megan Amram was in it at some point and oh, wow. like a few writers, but also who were just there to do stand up. And then, I don't know, I guess it like grew and whatever. And it, it was very casual, but. We would meet so out of that group of maybe like 20 other students we were all stand-ups technically oh um, wow that's so cool yeah what would you guys do at your comedy club meetings Ooh, and stuff what um, was the capacity of you guys doing stand-up yeah i thought about it recently because i miss it a lot because it was a great way to you know bounce ideas off of each other mm-hmm. but um we would meet like once a week and we would have somebody do three minutes at the top so a new three minutes of whatever and it would be probably pretty intimidating because I think it was oftentimes like just a few of us in a room but it yeah. was our little makeshift open mic we were trying to be positive and give like feedback that was useful and mm-hmm. not condescending or whatever and then um that would give that person an opportunity to try some stuff out and then after that we would have like split, split up maybe into smaller groups and bounce ideas off of each other even if they're just premises or bring up premises with the whole group and see if anybody had any like helpful ideas to finish off a joke or whatever um yeah and i think that was mainly it and we would have like a show one once a month okay cool. so yeah were they big shows they were good you know i think they would they grew as we became bigger but um they'd often be in you know some lecture hall or something in the basement of oh, a yeah, weird of science building right and then people would come out and uh, watch everybody do probably like 20 students do five minutes or Damn. something. Yeah, it was, it was kind so of nice. funny. And, um, and eventually I think they got more popular. Like improv was definitely the comedy show people would go to in yeah, college. Yeah, that's you like know? the ancient one. Yeah, yeah there's, there were like three improv groups, but they would always, I think, have a big drawing just because people think, oh, comedy, improv, like yeah. SNL or well, I don't like know. That's like the most college yeah. kind of comedy. So it was like hard to build up the brand of like, or come see people do stand-up. Um, yeah. Yeah, but... Eventually, it got better. Do you guys ever, like, talk to the improv people and, like, do things together? Oh, we we did sometimes. I think, I don't even know. There's, some, there like, a lot of crossover, too. So people who did improv did stand up yeah. in the club. So in that way, we talked to them. But I don't know if we ever, like, collaborated too much, except for there was maybe 
one show a year where everybody would get together and do a bunch of stuff. But that was not that pretty frequent, I guess. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I can't um, remember. So did you guys ever go out into Boston to do the comedies? Yeah, yeah. I guess individually we would, you know. Um, and occasionally maybe a couple of us would who were more into it. Uh, so, yeah, if we were willing to brave the snow and do that at some point. I would go to some open mics, do a few shows here and there. There was not really, like, a main comedy club or anything. There there were a few, but I think a lot had closed by the time we were there. Oh, yeah. And Were you in Boston or like, – is Harvard um, in Boston or is it, like, like, Cambridge or something? It's technically in Cambridge, but it's all very close. It's it's You just have to cross the Charles River or whatever. So, yeah. So you could take the subway okay. there. So that was very convenient. Um, so, yeah, nothing was that far, but uh, – yeah, it, there's always some weather shit that's going on. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah, uh, yeah, we would go. And then also there's like a lot of colleges. So oftentimes, I know Emerson College was like super active about comedy. Yeah, because so they, would they have the thing big and film have a couple, school. Yeah, they're all like TV film people. They have classes where they would write pilots. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's great if you want to do that. So they, um, I think they would put on one where they'd bring like three people from each, a bunch of different colleges. So that was cool. That's awesome. And then occasionally get gigs at other people's schools. But for the most part, um, yeah, a lot of bar mics and, and stuff. Yeah, Not that's so fun. Uh-huh. Wait, so how did you um, first get into doing stand-up? Um, yeah, I guess I started out here uh, when I was in high school. I just kind of thought it was a good idea. And then I went to Flappers okay. in Burbank and did the open mic. Because they didn't the have like an 18 thing? or 21. Yeah, and it was when they first kind of were opening, I think. Oh, really? Because they're not that old, yeah. Or at least they were first getting established, uh, you know, and really doing, trying to do outreach and get more comics in. So it didn't feel like, I don't know how it is now, but I, I have heard that the audition mic is like pretty packed. At the time, I don't yeah. think it was like that packed, you know. And, and they didn't have other mics. I think that was the only mic that they had was the audition mic. So it felt like there was a trajectory, which is encouraging as like a starting out comic, like, oh, so if I do well, then I can like keep going, even though in reality, it's just endless circles. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, so then I started there and um, yeah, I just did my three minutes and it went okay, but I liked it and I just kept kind of going to mics around town and like oftentimes just, yeah, doing that as a young yeah. person. I don't know. It was weird. Obviously, I couldn't do bars, so it was like whatever place would let somebody under 21 go. Really? So what uh-huh. made you want to do that? Were you like always funny, like the funny no, person? No, I really wasn't. I think maybe that's why, right? It's like, ugh. I felt like I was in school doing a lot of nerdy stuff, you know? Yeah. We're nerds. Um, and I, want, I did a lot of student government, <laughs> so I was doing a lot of speeches. So I knew I liked speaking in front of people and occasionally throwing in a joke, but uh, I didn't even really know stand-up comedy was a thing you could do a job yeah so when I learned that and I think I remember getting comedy central when I was like around that age 15 or 16 because I didn't really have cable so then I was just watching that all the time and they would put on the half hours I think like Amy Schumer had her half hour that year or something you know it was all these people who now are huge but at the time um you're just watching them and you're trying to kind of there's so much content now but before it was sort of it felt a little bit more scarce and a little more special so you could go on youtube and just find all the clips of that one comedian and then it would run out and you're like oh well then they gotta put out a whole new thing you know yeah um so yeah so i was a fan and then eventually just decided 
pull the trigger. And like, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. I just feel like, you know, you just do it and then. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know Were you, are you extroverted? Mm. At the time, I probably wasn't as much. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like I switched back and forth, but I don't know. It's so interesting because I wouldn't, like, I feel like it's rare to be, um, like, a, a woman, let alone, like, an Asian woman who wants to do oh, comedy. Sure. I feel like uh-huh. there's a lot of, like, barriers to, uh, like, doing that. So, like, right. did you feel like there were? So, I think... And I've heard other, like, some of my other Asian female friends say this, too. That, like, sometimes it's more encouraging, too, because you're kind of like, oh, I don't see a lot of that. I mean, now we have some... And there was Margaret Cho in there, you know, and Ellen yeah. was out there. She just wasn't as big at the time. Um, and plenty of other people. But anyway, um, I think just the lack of seeing that, and you're like, oh, well, this could make you feel, like, special, you know, if you want to yeah. put it that way. Uh, then that's encouraging, you know, that's rather cool. than being like, oh, or do I want to be... Blending into the sea of people who are doing what Already I'm doing. doing. I don't it. know what that would be. In That's case, interesting because some people see a lack of uh, representation as like everyone's like, well, people should have role models and they should have sure. more representation. I mean, but yes. like in a way, it seems like it encouraged you because yeah. there was a, mm-hmm. like a lack you could see there is a, a niche open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think representation is still so important and like I craved it myself. Too, and I think maybe life would have been different if, if there were more. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess the part of it was seeing it that it, there was an opening for it. But also like thinking, I don't know, not really thinking about it. I think I think identity stuff became like way more of a thing re- in recent times, right? Yeah, I know. But or you're just like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do comedy. No, yeah, everyone's like yeah. thinking about like identity like and like you are there must be a deep meaning yeah. to your identity and why you do things yeah yeah and i mean I, I love that stuff but yeah at the time i don't know if i was even thinking about that who knows yeah <laughs> so that's cool and then so uh-huh. you were always like tech savvy growing up like into computers or i guess so i like to play neopets and that's how i got yeah. into coding yeah like wow well my i played it a little like very not that much my girlfriend would play it a lot and she said that's how she would do HTML stuff. That's exactly how I got into it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's really important. <laughs> yeah. Neopets shaped my life. No, I'm kidding. Um, yes, yeah, so that's how I got into it. So I got into like coding at a young age. And so then I kind of always felt like that was going to be something I would do. And then when I got to college, like it was like, yeah, I mean, computer science, people love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And it was a good major for what I wanted to do in the sense that it felt like not, not a ton of requirements so it wasn't going to take over my life. I could do a lot of these classes that I didn't have to go to, you know, and yeah. I could watch remotely or whatever. Um, didn't make me the best student, but it fit sort of this lifestyle of like, well, I do also want to get deep into comedy and try to put time into that. And if it takes me away from this, that's okay. You know. Nice. So did you think of it as like strategically to get that major? Were you like, I want this. This is the, the moneymaker major. Were oh, like, I see. Um, whatever. I'll just do this. I don't know. I guess it was a little strategic in the sense that I felt like it would be a good thing to have if I was in a bind and needed to get like a freelance job or something yeah. like that. Even though everything I learned in it, like, I mean, or even though everything now that I do for freelance, like I didn't have to get a degree for it. Right? Yeah. But I'm sure it does give comfort to somebody who's hiring. Like, okay, well, at least she went to school for that. So she probably knows what she's doing. Little do they know. Yeah. What kind of freelance stuff do you do? Right now, um, what am I doing? It's really simple full stuff. Full stack web like, dev? Yeah, yeah, basically. But like, as basic as it gets. <laughs> okay, so you're just like making websites. Yeah, I was doing like a like an e-commerce thing for 
some guy for a while. Like Shopify? Or like you're actually building like the back end and stuff? Oh, I mean, yeah, I built the shit, but it's a mess. <laughs> Damn. Hopefully, hopefully have you ever gotten a um, uh-huh. job working at a tech company? I did internships over the summers. Oh, when nice. I would come out to LA for summer, I would always do an internship during the day and then like stand up at night. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Um, and I worked for a great boss who I need to reconnect with, Alex Chan. He gave me like a job every summer. Really? It's basically, I would try to go through like the recruiting thing, but I just never, I always wanted to be in LA and like none of those companies, I don't I know. even know who's there. And they're all like San Francisco and Seattle. Yeah. And, and I was or not like ready Arizona. to commit to that. So, um, so luckily my freshman summer like I happened to get hired last minute at this place out here that doesn't exist anymore it was called spin media r.i.p and um that boss of mine just kept giving me like a job every summer so that was great and then I could be have flexible hours you know that I I think he was understanding of the fact that like oops sorry I gotta leave yeah bye (laughs) um so yeah but neopets so that's so cool (laughs) Nice, because you knew you wanted to stay out here after graduation. I did. You, you know, didn't want to go anywhere else. I don't know. Maybe I should have tried New York, and I still would. Um, and growing up here and then kind of coming to the same place, it does feel a little like, oh, maybe I should branch out. But I was happy to get to live in Boston for a while, and like I get to travel sometimes for comedy, so I don't feel like I'm totally in a tiny, small town. But That's cool. Yeah. Are you headlining or featuring? I have featured. I've headlined a little bit. I'm not really like on a tour or anything. Yeah. So I would love to at some point for sure. I should do more colleges. That would be fun. Are you in NACA? Get stressed about it. Um, no, I'm not. I really want to do uh-huh. it, but I feel like I don't know how I would. I know I do well in front of colleges. I'm sure you do too because that's where we started. Sure. No, it'd be, it'd be good because we're like the age-ish. Yeah. Not but as far removed. I feel like there's so many barriers to get in front to get. I don't know. It's a to weird To get to system. NACA where it's like, well, we just it. did it. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just never had the patience to go through that too because I, I want to be in LA to do like entertainment stuff or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't want to always be doing that. But it is good if you could do like, like the ideal thing I think that I would want is like maybe one show every couple months and yeah. get cash. It's you good. Get to don't do they pay a, long, a lot of money? They pay yeah, you get to do like a long set. Um, the weird thing though is like college audiences are very different, you know, from most audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I get weirded out by it. Really? <laughs> well, I get weirded out by being on the road sometimes. I just, I like it, but I also think I get kind of like depressed about it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, is this it? Is this what we're doing That's now? so depressing. Yeah. It's a little depressing. It it's is. A little I, know, uh-huh. I always, because I know I want to do comedy and I want to perform comedy, but then when I think of like the typical trajectory for a comedian mm-hmm. makes me kind of depressed. Like a typical comedian, That's a uh, even a middle of the line success, even a successful comedian who's yeah. not uber successful. Like if you're a decent level of success, yeah, it strikes me as kind of depressing. Just the lifestyle of I am going to like be poor and couch surf until like and just like do open mics aimlessly, kind of until like I eventually get some tap on the shoulder, and then when I get a tap on the shoulder, you're just gonna like do road gigs and drink every night and be lonely i don't know it just sounds so depressing i mean i've literally i'm I'm just characterizing it like that and it's hard because obviously everybody's path is going to be different um so that might hopefully not always be the case but yeah i mean also also there's just a lot of a lot of people have warned me i remember one comedian who i think is so funny and i respect a lot he um uh danny cho i don't know he he uh 
like told me this, I think a couple years, maybe when I was a junior or something, he was like, so this is what you want to do? And I mean, I was bright eyed and happy at the time. So I was like, oh yeah, I mean, duh. Right. And he was like, well, cause you know, I mean, I hope I'm not, yeah, whatever. He's like, I know <laughs> I still live in an apartment and like all my friends have houses. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's just getting dark. Just like I mean, I think he's, yeah, I think he's fine. Like, I think he's doing fine now. I don't know. This is a while ago, but it's just funny because I've gotten so many of those kind of things where it's like, well, you know, this doesn't really, yeah. isn't great. And so that does scare me. But I think, I think the idea is just to like, okay, well then don't count on it to be the thing that makes your life. Cool. I kind of wish I could, I just want to like <laughs> shatter that, um, like illusion. That's what it has to be like. I wish that wasn't the case. That you have to go through this. Cause suffering. I don't think it has to be the case. I, I mean, so it, well, it also just doesn't because Basically, it's like this paradox. I don't know. It's like the everyone kind of does it th- that way for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's the typical way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So then, therefore, everyone in hindsight, when they're giving like advice, they're just you know venting about their right experience. what they would do differently. Yeah, they're like, oh man, like because I don't know. When everyone, anytime someone gives advice, I feel like they're just reflecting uh, and justifying their mm-hmm. like what they've made like, like mistakes decisions and, and stuff. decisions because they're just like. Yeah, I mean, it just has to be like that. You're going to be poor for a while. All your friends are going to have houses. Well, it's like, well, that's what you do. You don't have to do that. <laughs> that's a good point. Like, why do you have to do that? That, you know? it, that it might be a thing where, you know, it's the confirmation or what's the confirmation? Buyer's remorse? Buyer's confirmation? I don't know. What's happening? Anyway, but yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. that, that, and not to be. Con- not like once to you did it, you're just biased towards your own decision. Right. Yeah, that one. Confirmation bias, I think. Confirmation bias. I think right, so. Whatever. Yeah, you look you for a lot it. of like instances uh-huh. of it and then you're like. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, or people who, you know, there's a lot of the, oh, such a sellout thing. That's like, because people are making money off of something. It's like, well, or would you not have wanted that life? Yeah. Which, I mean, makes me sad too, because Wait, I think what do you I, mean by that? Well, like, okay, so thinking about... So not doing comedy? The, or com- or some, thinking about comedians who, you know, have done stand-up comedy, and then maybe their friend gets a great commercial, and then becomes that commercial guy, and they're like, oh, well, that's such a sellout. Yeah. Would hate that life, but that guy... I mean, what are you going to say no to that, right? And yeah. then he like makes a ton of money or something. And maybe that isn't what he pictured to be his ideal job and career path, but the shaming of people who maybe capitalize on certain opportunities or the shaming of people who are trying to make a living also at the same time and maybe can't pour all their life and energy into stand up. Stand up. Yeah. I think that's It's like weird. stigmatized to like do other stuff in a way. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. by some people. And then um I don't know. And also the culture of always hanging out and, and a lot of our shows are at bars and things like that. Like, I'm not a part of that too, too much. So I know that. Like, and I know that's bad in some ways because maybe I miss out on, like, meeting more people and this and that. But it kind of yeah. kind of bums me out sometimes. <laughs> I feel like uh, comedians should read the four-hour work week and apply those oh, I don't things. Know. Have you heard of that? I haven't. It's basically this uh, book by Tim Ferriss where he talks about um, it's not actually working four hours a week. The point is to minimize the amount of time you actually are working. So it's like if you have a regular nine to five job, find a way to work remotely. And like then once you're working remotely, like maybe maximize your efficiency, like just by doing like basic time management strategies Mm. to be more productive, like batching. Like if you do little tasks, batchings, like if you do little tasks throughout the day that take a lot of time, just do it all in one go and then maybe do it twice a day but if you don't have like a flexible career like that where you can ask to work remotely 
then it's like finding ways to either maybe make your job freelance, like find a freelance version of your job or um, start something that generates like a passive income. Mm. But I guess mm-hmm. it is interesting though, because to be fair, you do have to have a, a certain mindset where you care about that stuff. Cause some people truly don't care about like creating a passive like income stream or something. They're just like, that just does not interest them in any way. Like they just want to do their craft. Like the kind of artist path. But I don't know. I feel like those other things are a way to like mitigate that and make your lifestyle more like doable while doing comedy. Cool. Yeah. I I don't know. I was just thinking about that. (laughs) No, that makes sense that, um, yeah. Cause I think I was so, uh, I haven't worked a full-time job since I, I mean, I've worked in capacity of like entertainment full-time jobs, but I haven't worked a nine to six sort of nine to five thing since graduating. Wait, wait, um, what do you mean? But you also worked entertainment full-time though? Well, I mean, I've been like a writer's assistant on shows or I've written on shows. So like that's full-time when it's in session, but like it's not what I would call You never had like a full, like seasonal every day. Yeah, I haven't done, you know, I didn't do tech or anything after graduating. And I think I had this extreme shame and guilt because I didn't. I think because a lot of my friends were doing that and it felt like, you know, I had friends in banking who were working like 17-hour days. So I was like, well, if I'm not working 17 hours a day, then I must be totally slacking, you know? And that's maybe a mentality of us coming out of college and and just not knowing and, and whatever, also comparing, which is a tough game to play. So... At the time, I just was kind of worried because I wasn't working those hours, no yeah. matter what they were, that I was somehow slacking in a time of my life where I had the energy to put into it and I don't have, you know, other responsibilities other than, like, my own shit. So, yeah. so that was actually stressful for me. That and is I, stressful it took a while. College. It took a while for me to finally own up to the fact that, you know, being efficient is a thing. And if I'm able to get by doing what I do, even if it doesn't feel like I'm putting my brain on it all the time, like, that's yeah. okay. Because all that just that downtime is part of it, you know? It. Yeah, I don't know. But that was definitely, like, a hard thing to get over. I don't know. Maybe it's just because... Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot... I can see there being a lot of guilt of, like, not uh-huh. taking the tech job after spending a lot of money and stuff. Totally, But, like, yeah. you don't have to. And as yeah. long as, like, mm-hmm. you're not in, like, crippling debt in the way that you can't survive, sure. then it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I guess I was happy. You got invaluable experiences anyway at this. Even if you don't do the job, like Uh you have skills now that you can apply to freelance that you can like use anyway. Like it's a super in demand skill set. And then like you networked in a way like Mm -hmm. where you met friends that you're going to help. I wasn't too worried about like the fact that like going to the school and that. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too worried about not using my degree, but I was worried about just not putting my energy towards like putting the work towards the thing I wanted to do for the whole time. And that made sense. Oh. Like, I think I just oh, felt you wanted like, to put more energy towards entertainment? I don't even know. I just, towards something. And I feel like with entertainment, there are so many gatekeepers. So it's not like you're going to be performing 17 hours a day unless yeah. you're working on a show and you're like in it or something, right? Um, and you're like at the top. So I don't know. That was part of it, I guess. But... Yeah, maybe uh, it's a little hard to explain. But I, I mean, and there was also like a lot of the guilt of just not doing what I what I had studied. But I, I don't I don't think that because I kind of gotten over that at a certain point because I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but what helped me get by, too, was like knowing that I wanted to do this and that it felt like I, you know, felt like stand up had 
a certain meaning to what I wanted to do with my life rather than I don't know if I would have been able to yeah. contribute much in a different field. Do you feel like sense. now yeah. you're doing more in entertainment and you feel more like you're utilizing your time towards your dreams in a way that you like? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit better. Some days, not not every day, right? But um, but yeah, I guess there's like, it's good to be a little bit busier. Like I'm writing more and have more projects going so that at least takes up the time uh-huh. and then when I'm like actually working of course you feel like you're putting all your energy into it because you actually go into a room um but but yeah I mean it's just a weird job because it just doesn't have desk time you know? yeah I mean it, it can in your own space but it doesn't feel like the same as going into a cubicle or something yeah right? totally um I don't know so right <laughs> now weird. you are you working uh-huh. for you're a writer right now right yeah, so right now, so I actually just finished up working on a show that is sort of like, it's for a new platform that's called Echo, and it's like a branching narrative they're trying to do, which is sort of similar to Bandersnatch, yeah. if you saw, but they they didn't do that, and we didn't work on that, but um, it's a new show, hopefully it'll air at some point this year, I don't know. Wow, um, is that a WGA? Yeah. Writing. This one wasn't actually because it was just me and one other writer, and it was kind of okay. like I think they were able to like get around it because it was a new show. But That's it was cool. my first writing job, whatever. So that That's was cool. exciting. I had done like writer's assistant capacities before, but um, and then I'm working on a animated show, which is exciting. Um, it's like this. I don't know. Like I, I like pitched it to FX and like they oh really bought it. So yeah, so it's cool. Well, this is your show. Short. Yes, technically, but it's very short. So it's not like a half hour. You pitched it. That's so cool. Um, Yeah. So we'll see. It's not like guaranteed to get produced, but that's one of those things where like, yes. So I'm amazed. No, it's like very um, cool. It's one of those things where you're like, you just keep throwing these things out here and like nothing happens. And then, you know, if we get one, yes, it's great. So wow. So how does that happen? How do you, I guess you're, I'm guessing you have an agent and you're like, Hey, I have an idea. And then they're like, let me call people. And then you get in a room with people. That's normally how it happens. This one happened to be totally different. Um, I like one of their execs had seen me perform stand up, and this was like three years ago, maybe Wow. or four years ago now. Where was it? So at the laugh factory, but it was like after their open mic, it wasn't even a legit I'm just wondering how all these things happen. I so. mean, yeah, I like to talk about it because it's kind of, I wanted the same thing, you know? Because people, when they go and talk about these things, I feel like it's mo- mainly about, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like people don't talk about how, like, happenstance a lot of stuff is. Or maybe they don't talk about the labor that goes into yeah, I was talking following to, uh, up and stuff. Becky, uh-huh. like, I guess two weeks ago now, and it was like, he's like, yeah, it's like, so yeah, I was doing open mics, and then I just got on TV, and now I'm a movie star. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of how right. and most interviews go. Yeah, and... um and people like to, to make or people like to make it more about like oh look at this cool lucky thing that happened to me I'm so grateful and blessed that's true yeah. but also like the labor that goes because it's not it's not like sexy to talk about like oh and then I like followed up after three months and then we like couldn't meet and then we had to reschedule yeah. and then like that's like gross but that's what happens and then yeah. you just have to keep I think like learning that you have to follow up and if people don't respond it doesn't mean they hate you yeah exactly <laughs> that's something I learned I thought that everybody hated me um, you have to so be pretty assertive, which is harder be, for intro- introverts, I guess. Yeah, you have to be like okay to get that no and like not ashamed. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So. Okay. But yeah. So this one. Yeah, he did. You at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, yeah. Also, how was that? How? I'm just. I'm going as soon <laughs> yeah, as possible yeah. to like your About, embryonic days, but sure. How, no, so, it's fine. So how? How did you get the Laugh Factory? Laugh, yeah, the laugh factory, laugh in the factory first place? I mean, back in the I don't know how they do it now, but back in the open mic days when they had you wait outside in line and you just 
signed up the week before or whatever. Yeah. So you'd wait there for like 1 p.m. till 7 p.m. or whatever, 5 p.m. And they would come out with the clipboard and sign up. So I did that. And I did that the first time I went up. Jamie, the like owner, wasn't there, so it didn't even matter. Excuse me. And then the second time he was there and then like he happened to meet with everybody that day. Again, very lucky because then I talked to people and again, nobody talks about this. Is like, oh, they waited in line like 10 times and he was never there. You know, so you never know. Or like he was there and it just like, you didn't like it. So yeah, can't, right. Um, so anyway, met with him and then he knew, I think I was 18. Um, so you knew I was young and then, you, you know, I guess it was sort of like, okay, well, it's good. And I think he knew I went to Harvard and like studied computer science. So he was like, oh, well, maybe you can like help us do that kind of stuff. And then his manager at the time was like, no. That's like, we have somebody for that. What's happening? <laughs> it was bizarre. Anyway, and then after that, I just kind of kept, they like would let me come back after the open mic and perform, which a lot of comics who they're like developing, quote unquote, can do that. And then, yeah, and then they would just have me on shows as guest spots here and there. Whoa, so you just but, did it mm-hmm. twice in front at their open mic? Pretty much. But yeah, this was... And then he like tapped you? Or you're like, hey. Yeah, but I since really then it's been... I was actually a tap on the shoulder. No, yeah, yeah. No, he met with everybody that day. It was bizarre. Interesting. Um, I don't know if you're, yeah, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, since then, I don't know what his involvement is in the Laugh Factory because A, I haven't like talked to him in years. And then he had a daughter and um, the like booker is the main person to go to now. Oh, he like outsourced it to a booker. Yeah. And I don't know him at all. So, and and then they book that guy um, from Entourage all the time. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? No. Not, it's this I don't guy know who's one. been accused of sexual assault by like eight women and they book him like all the time. So really? He's pissed. Yeah. God damn it. It's like, what are you doing? And then I see people comment on the Instagram like, I saw that this guy's here. And then the booker always responds like, I don't know anything that's going on and I haven't heard it directly from them. So I'm going to ignore it. It's crazy. People oh, that's crazy. bad. Yeah, it's terrible. So I'm not very happy about that. I don't know. Yeah, I also no, don't totally. About the Laugh Factory, but. Uh, or I also am thankful for what they've given me in the past, but in most recent times, I haven't really been up there that much, except for occasionally. So, good stuff. Anyway, so then, yeah. So then, that's how I started performing there, and they also put a video up of mine, which, like, has gotten me basically everything that I owe that. Oh, the Laugh Factory YouTube that. video? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, because it's like, what else do I have out there? And um, then, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So then I was just, I think I was just performing after the open mic one time, and this FX exec, who's very kind, saw me, and then, like, I met with him at some point, and it was sort of like, oh, well, you're a sophomore, so what are, you, what are we going to do? I don't know. And, you know, I write, so maybe one day, and he was like, oh, well, we have this show called Louie. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, no, he had, uh, Louie was, like, at large yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point. And they were like, oh, well, I mean, it's great, but, you know, he just writes and does everything himself, so there's nothing there. Okay, well. Great. So that that was the one <laughs> the one they mentioned. And then after that, yeah, I guess, you know, reconnected when I moved out here and that and then he had said, Oh, we we're working on this thing with like short animated things, so if you have any ideas, pitch it to us. Wow. And that's how that happened. But then that happened like a year ago and it took a year for them to finally like say anything because they're making decisions or whatever and there's a lot of like Disney Fox things going on right now. So oh yeah, their acquisition things. of uh-huh. Fox by Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's consolidating. Fewer jobs, fewer projects. <laughs> yeah, I heard about this. <laughs> no, um, One of my yeah. SES professors from UCLA is trying to get a studio out of it somehow. I don't know oh. how. Somehow one of them is like going independent. Oh, well, that would be great. To, 
do that and then yeah. like hire people to do some like computer science mm. and comedy stuff mm-hmm. oh maybe you should uh, oh well, yeah. i'll tell her about you all right well i'm here um that's great yeah so interesting yeah but yeah so those things just take a that's while so random. those things take a while um and yeah i don't know very random that's cool um yeah it's interesting about the open mic i want to like because it's basically mm, an audition yeah. I'm wondering, totally. like, yeah, bring your bring your best three minutes. I think it's three minutes. Sometimes I just feel so aimless doing comedy in L.A. Oh, totally. And I do that. I feel just that way. trying to figure out how to do the next things, and it seems like doing stuff like auditions is a good thing to do. But maybe I don't yeah. know. I'm trying to figure out. Like, I don't want to just. Cause sometimes you'll just be doing open mics or shows. You're like, for what? Like. This is just going to happen forever. Because, like, truly it will happen forever. Like, if you just do that, I I feel deep down that, like, that might happen forever. Like, <laughs> forever. you might just be doing that. That's, just that. That's, I don't know. No, yeah. I mean, I think I noticed that myself, that it does feel like... Because I kind of started to stop going to these club things because it was feeling a little... It was feeling a little weird for me because, like, I kind of would know some of the people and then they would be like, oh, so you're still... Like, I don't know. I should have just gotten over it. But I feel like people keep coming up to me and being like, why are you still doing like the, like, like say like potluck at the comedy store doing the open mic portion. Uh Like I'm not in at all there. So I would do the waiting in line and the signing. And I feel like people were being like, why are you, why are you still doing this? Yeah. Cause it is kind of weird. Cause you're also in line with people who've been doing it for like three days and then that's fine. But like, and I've been on shows where I, I was doing, <laughs> no, this is mean, but I was doing this like taping for this thing and I was kind of already in like a weird spot and my mind was like, I've been doing this for a while, but still not as long as a lot of people and I'm like being a baby about it. But it just kept feeling like I would go do these shows and everybody, somebody would come up to me and be like, oh, I've been doing this for much shorter and like, look how far I am, right? And and so then this one girl comes up to me and she's like, oh, wow, like how long have you been doing this? And I was like, oh, I guess like eight years, you know? And she was like, and I was like, how about you? And she's like, Oh, I think it'll be like three weeks. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Like, this is exactly like the universe heard me say, you know. Totally. That I was struggling with this and they gave me this. But no, I mean, it's, she's, she's, she was great. So it makes sense. But um, yeah, so I feel like sometimes going back to those things that I would do back when I was 16 and like I just never got anywhere with like the comedy store but also I wasn't diligent about it and I I, the people who are actually in there like work much harder than I do um I think that it feels like I need to get over that in my mind and just suck it up and go you know but I haven't done that yet yeah but then I have a lot of friends who are like no I don't do that we're fine right Uh so like I look to a lot of people who are also in the alternative scene who seem to have just like carved out their space themselves without needing the tap of a club well, what do you, what happened? Right. Like, even if you get to the comedy store level, wouldn't you just get to like agents that you might already have right now? That's another. That's another good. Like, point. What's the point? You're gonna get like fifteen dollars. I mean, I literally got my manager from doing the open mic at the comedy store. At the comedy store. Yeah, because like a guy there saw me, and then he referred me to my manager currently. Really. So like, and he's great. So I'm happy. You know. So it does feel weird to do a lot of those things where you're like, well, I don't know if. You know, and we're lucky because we're young, so it kind of is a thing where we have that currency that maybe, you know, I don't know, other comics might not have. I don't know. Um, so I'm able, so we, you know, we have that ability to get that without being passed by 
other clubs yeah. or like things that might give that validation. You might not even need the comedy. St- I mean, it seems like because you already have the stuff that you would want. Yeah, it is, weird. It, it is it's a, so big, foggy. It's a big like thing where you kind of would do it just to do it. I'm such really a con- yeah. I'm oh no, label. I'm such a control freak, and I like to be able to like clearly see what what I cool. can do and like go and stuff. But it, it's so hard with comedy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I go don't back know like what stuff. I don't know to do. Like, what do you? I know. I mean, what this is, is this? This is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly your articulating like what I go through all the time. Because I go through phases where because a lot of the comics that I look up to the most, I would say like I've worked closely with Cameron Esposito, and I think that like she has a really awesome career, and she's somebody who isn't necessarily like. Well, I felt as if she has a cool kind of show alternative i don't know if you would call it alternative it's just a stand-up show at um ucb okay uh-huh. that like a ton of people go to every week and it's because she and rio are big deals but um but i didn't get the impression that it was like okay gotta be past at the club and nah, 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 nah. and then these people come back you know they're doing great and then they can just get a spot there anyway yeah. so like or they don't you know, and they don't need it, right? Because mm-hmm. they can, like, sell out a theater or something, right? I mean, not that... That's, like, way down the line so and that requires other things, but I don't think that her trajectory or a lot of other folks who are in that realm now, like, it wasn't about how many clubs can I get past it. And then, now I'm big. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because, <laughs> like, cause, uh, like no, yeah. at the end of the day, if you break it down, we mm-hmm. just wanted... I'm sure I'm assuming you just want to, like do things that make people laugh and entertain people be able to do that for a, and make a comfortable living so i guess the real thing is kind of like how do you make money doing comedy mm. while not um selling yourself out that's so interesting but then it's <laughs> okay, like yeah, you kind of just need to like your, at the end of the day you just need to either sell something it's like an entrepreneur you need to sell a ticket to a show that you're in mm. or be able to you need to... I'm trying to like break it down right now even to understand it for me. Um, so either sell a ticket to a show you're in, either maybe make content and sell it. Mm-hmm. Have some sort of content online and maybe you can do like a subscription thing mm-hmm. or you can sell a TV show to a network and go through the gatekeepers. And then this is kind of like the typical system where you have to get passed in all these clubs and get an agent and get a manager and then get in rooms and then get it once you're in a room then you maybe sell a tv show and then when, even when you sell the tv show it maybe becomes a pilot and then it maybe like gets passed mm-hmm. for a season that's it seems like that's a typical strategy to make money is like you have to do all those jump through all those hoops to like maybe sell a show or something but now there's like streaming and now there's kind of like shortcuts yeah, to that you're right um a big thing was the soon as 15 minutes that netflix came out with mm-hmm um, yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. like comics. Jack Knight was in it. So. Yeah, um, a funny thing was they the poster was outside of the Laugh Factory, and mm-hmm. I think Ian Carmel tweeted something about like, "Oh, look, it's a poster of me outside of a club that I've like never gotten to perform at." You know? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think like at that level, people would be able to, or like, I mean, I'm sure he could now or whatever, but maybe it's it's. So like even at that interest, level, but, it's like, what does that mean? You right. just got paid to do this show, but you're not necessarily on everything now. You still right. have to go through it the same hoops right so like yeah so I guess it is a thing and I like that you're deconstructing it because that feels it feels as if sometimes we get kind of entrenched in these institutions because we think oh well because he did that or she did that I need to do that and yeah. then that's the way that's the way everybody's telling me and it's sort of the thing with the advice that we're talking about earlier where people say because I did it this way you have to do it that yeah. way and that's like 
never worked because then, you know, we would just be spinning our wheels and not inventing new ways to do things. So, yeah, so maybe it is a thing where um, I struggle. I think I go back and forth between feeling like, well, I hope I'm not making up excuses for myself to not do work. And also, look, I don't know if it, the, the, the way that people have done it in the past is necessarily the way that I'm going to do it because it might seem like not the way anymore. Or like it seems a little weird or inefficient or it seems yeah. a little, you know. So I, I think it's a balance between those things. But I totally have the same thoughts where I'm like, well, I'd love to be able to, you know, focus on what I want to do and block out all the noise that is Sierra you have to go through this certain thing and then that guy has to prove yeah, exactly. that you can do the thing you already know you can do I you hate know? doing that stuff I'm, yeah. I'm also bad at it I never get like fucking I don't get I haven't gotten into any festivals yet and I might just be testament to not having good videos but, see, but then I just hate trying too, to do that I've stuff I've heard from people um, you know Marcella Arguello she like had this great talk she she um, has a show that improv and stuff she um, had this great talk for a lot of women in comedy and one of the questions was like should we do festivals and she was like pretty lukewarm on it like she was like yeah I did some I did apply to some and then you know maybe didn't get in or whatever when I was a newer comic and then now they're flying me out because now I'm a bigger comic and so like I get to headline these festivals so it is a thing too where it's like um, I paid to do some festivals like because oftentimes they if you get in it's like okay well great find your way up here find your place to stay and like Mm -hmm also spend those days not making money and doing this festival. Yeah. Right. And so it's, um, so after doing a couple of those, I think I kind of felt like, well, if I'm not getting anything else out of this other than like shows, I can do shows back home, um, and be working on other things. Yeah. A lot of festivals, I guess it's literally just shows. It's like Like more shows. of regular shows. Yeah. But there are some festivals that are legitimate and maybe they get you in front of the right people. You know, maybe if just for laughs is something you want to do, like they're out there looking, or maybe if you're looking for Mm -hmm. representation, they're out there looking. But, um, yeah, but sometimes I feel like, I don't know if it's worth it. We're already in a great city for comedy, like for getting in front of people too. So I don't know if it's as yeah. important, but there are certain festivals, of course, and you can know by the lineup and know by how they are organized that are good. I think like Big Sky is one that people yeah, really I heard. like. And and Laughing Skull, those are the two that oh, keep really? coming out. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. Not cool. that I've done those. So do you do a lot of stand up about tech? Do you ever talk about it? I really don't. You don't at all? Mm-mm. Do okay. you? Kind of, yeah. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I make fun of it a lot. That's cool. Yeah, I run a uh, tech roast show. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's fun. where we roast people in tech, as no. you can guess. Like, literally, they'll just submit to be roasted for some reason, because I guess they're broken. And then their friends will just, like, give us oh, info about them, and then we'll, perfect. like, write jokes about them. Tech roast? Okay, yeah. cool. When is, where is this? Um, it's mostly in Seattle and San Francisco, mm-hmm. and we're going to do Silicon Valley. Nice. I'm probably going to expand to Venice, but, yeah. like, I don't know. Not yet, because it's too hard to do it in L.A., okay. it seems like, to get people out and sell tickets. Of course, everyone, everyone if you shows are on the fucking west side, free. I feel like it. Yeah, I know. But I've heard the west side's easier to sell tickets, too, really? because there's just more people with money. And especially if their tech bro is getting it. I mean, I should just try it and <laughs> see mean, if it sells. Yeah. Do a small, maybe I'll do a small room, like a 50-person room. Yeah, yeah. My, um, a couple of my friends ran a show out there in Venice, and they were always getting people through Eventbrite. Really? Like they'd be like, oh, really? it would be like really? kind of an older person. We'll and use like, Eventbrite. This? And they'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, I found it through Eventbrite. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. cool. Yeah, maybe I should get rid of that mental block and just try to do it in Venice. That's cool. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out ways to sell tickets to stuff. 
right now. Ooh. I feel like the fucking mm-hmm. fire festival guy. I'm not like that. Oh yeah, um, nice. But McFarland. Yeah. Classic. No. <laughs> but it's interesting that, because that's like NYC a way. An angle to make money is having some niche show that can sell tickets and then be in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about, yeah, I've heard, I've never produced a comedy show and I, I I have, I guess, singular ones, but not a consistent one. And it's hard work, but I do feel like it does give you at least not only a platform to perform all the time, a comfort of knowing like the space. Because I feel like what's hard in LA is you're doing a different show at a different place all the time. So when I was trying to get like a tape of myself, it would just be like, oh, I don't even know what this the- what this place is going to look like. So where do I even set up this tripod? And, w- and then somebody would like knock it over. You know what I mean? I know. So it just, it's like hard to adjust on the fly versus if you have an established thing you're doing, like you can get a good tape, you can, you know, make sure you bring the right comics and build relationships with comics who you're booking, you know, it's, yeah, it's a Yeah, you're just big... more comfortable. It's your space. You're not like it's entering good. someone else's and kind of being an outsider right, and being right. nervous. And being like, oh, as nervous. how's this going to be? Who are the audience? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what else did I want to ask? So, did you, out of college, did you, um, when you started doing comedy, um, did you get your own place or did you move back home? I moved back home. I was home for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess probably like a year ago now, a little over a year ago, I moved out finally. But oh, wow. yeah, Where, that was what like... part of town weird. are you in? <laughs> I'm in Maneco Park now. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, Trendy. I like moved in with my boyfriend, which was nice because I was at his a lot. I guess that's the thing. I was able to live at home kind of because I had my boyfriend where I could like crash there a lot. So I still felt like I was out of house. Is home for you far? Um, it's it not that I? far. It's in, um, it's in La Cunada, which is like Glendale, oh, past Glendale. It. So it's really actually convenient and that's like great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still like wanted to be able to live out. So it was kind of nice to have this like hybrid year of like yeah. squatting at my boyfriend's house uh, or apartment and then also technically living at home and then yeah and then now i'm just like literally in the same place that he's at so it feels like nice. i've been there for two years but do you feel like you struggle to mm-hmm. like make ends meet doing comedy are you able do you have to make sacrifices or do you live how you want to live oh i see like financially yeah um i guess i make sacrifices i'm just so cheap that i yeah. think i would make it anyway uh i don't know that's probably not true if i was rolling it i'd probably still spend more <laughs> so i still make sacrifices but and I still worry about it, you know, like I luckily think now I'm finally feeling better because after this like most recent writing job, it felt like a real job and I got paid better than I did before. But there was just long spans of unemployment and I would get worried because I didn't have, you know, like if you have a job, you ha- you know how much money you're going to make the next yeah. month. And that just isn't the case ever for me. <laughs> so that's the one thing that's really like there's no way for me to set up, say, like an automatic. I mean, there is. But I'm always wary about setting up like automatic investment where like it takes this much out of your paycheck and it puts it into whatever savings account or whatever uh-huh. like mutual fund or whatever people advertise these days. Uh, I'm like terrified to do that because I don't even know like what if I, you know, I mean, I would just pull it out of something else. But it just feels like, um, you know, sometimes I wish I had more of that stability, but because I never really did. Maybe I miss it less, you know, yeah. I don't even know what I'm missing. Um, granted, if I had like a regular salary for a year and then I went away from it maybe i'd be like wow suddenly i can't get that thing that i always buy every month i don't know what it yeah would be. um but yeah i think also because i'm so damn cheap i don't even know what i'd be sacrificing yeah so that's funny <laughs> um yeah i like i don't know i'm not as cheap as like my parents are like you know my my family is just that way i yeah. think and it's just always been that way and and then i've become more normal because of 
hang out with friends who aren't that way. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I, I still kind of fall back true. on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's fun, too, like, to find a good sale. You're like, yeah, oh, my God. Totally. I made money. <laughs> yeah, I'm on this new diet, and I find myself eating the cheapest crap now. Like, I'll just have, like, <laughs> hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. And yeah. And canned chili. Mmm. It's actually pretty good. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love cooking, you know. So yeah. Too. Um, so that's cool. So, do you, Russell? Yeah. Right now, you have your writing gig, and then are you ever like, what do you kind of do in between jobs? Yeah. Um, How do you find a schedule? More used and not to crazy. Not being employed, which is nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do I find a schedule? I mean, I like to try and I'm still figuring it out, I guess. Um, Sometimes I have a lot of auditions and stuff. So sometimes that'll throw a wrench into things, but it'll at least like keep me busy for whatever until the audition, and then you do that and there's shows occasionally. But so my schedule is never that regular. But mm-hmm. I guess if I need to write, I just write, and I'm the kind of person who leaves it to the last minute and just does it. Yeah. At the last minute. Um. So there's that. <laughs> but I try to. I think I try to wake up in the morning and like you know do the ritual of like the coffee and you know make a little food. Answer this emails. is if you don't have a. A typical job. Yeah, yeah. Like, I try, I try to be somewhat regular about my schedule. My boyfriend also works from home, so he's always up, like, at his desk right away. So I get uh, Oh, nice. What does he do? do that. Um, yeah, he works remotely for a... Uh, it's a company called Monzo. It's based in the UK. So oh, he's wow. occasionally there, but he's mainly here, and he is, like, a manager of the, like, operations manager or something. Something like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so a lot of business, 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 business. I don't know. Oh, nice. Um, and then I think he has hours that, so because they're oh, yeah, so eight hours ahead. Those hours? Sometimes he, no, he doesn't. So he okay. works regular hours here, but it's good because then it's the opposite hours of them. So he can kind of manage overnight teams and stuff. That yeah. Sense. So like there's some customer service things that happen because they're a customer facing business. And so then people who work at this hour time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This bah, time zone. Yeah, there we go. That's cool. Uh-huh. And then, so yeah, so that helps maybe that there's somebody else who like is there being efficient and I need to yeah. be efficient. Nice. But I'm also terrible. I'm procrastinating all the time. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of, part of me scared to like, like, I wouldn't know what I would do with my time. It's hard. Like, you know, I definitely have, I was talking to one of my friends who also freelances and he's in New York and I think, yeah, we... Learning not to beat yourself up if you have a day that's not the most efficient is mm-hmm. probably very valuable because it's going to happen and you're going to beat yourself up because that's just who we are. Um, but then learning, and it's been a long process of learning to be like, all right, let's not dwell on that and like be efficient the next day. And like not every day is going to be a beautiful, wonderful, work-heavy day. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, that's important. Yeah. Do you do things, do you have like a morning ritual you do? I guess I like do the coffee thing. I don't normally eat breakfast right away because I like go back to sleep. You know, I get like tired again yeah. from digesting food. So, you know, I don't know the normal wash my face stuff. Okay, cool. <laughs> Put on a lot of face lotion. No, I um, I guess I just get on the computer right away because sometimes I need to do. I don't know. It's like it feels like I need to send emails or something. Then I like to get that out of the way in, in the morning even if I'm not fully, like, awake yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then try to drink a lot of water. For a while, I was trying to drink a glass of water in the morning every day. I don't always, um, but I think that's helpful. Yeah, it is important to stay hydrated. Um, it is. And then sometimes I like to watch clips of The View. 
Um, <laughs> and the reason I started doing this is because I don't like reading the news anymore. You know, it's like kind of awful. Yeah. So the best way for me to get news is through Whoopi Goldberg. And <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds hard, way healthier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because they joke about it, and there's like, you know, it's a healthy conversation. It doesn't feel like it's like headlines only, and everybody's trying to make you click. You know. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've found is helpful. Um, sometimes I like to go outside too because we have, yeah, we have like a such a nice, normally great weather, right? So yeah, it's kind of good. So if I like get the mail, that doesn't always happen in the morning, but it's good. That's to get cool. Outside they just once. start doing things to feel. Good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not always good about it, but for sure, also because working from home, right? It's like it feels as if you're inside all day. Yeah, and you're going crazy. So I get cabin fever all the time and I just feel like, oh, I keep reminding myself, you just got to get outside or something. Yeah, exactly. Or like run one errand or something if you really need to, because that makes it feel so different because not commuting is surprisingly weird. Yeah, it's very Mm -hmm. strange. Um, What when you think about like taking your like comedy career to the next level, like what kind of things do you do? Like, how do you approach that when you like have that question in your head? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess like being more, we were talking about uh, being more assertive and going for, you know, being okay to get those no's. I think it does feel as if kind of when I was starting out, I was letting things come to me and I kind of just thought like, oh, this is great. This works. But not always the case. And it was kind of because I wasn't doing it full time. And I think now knowing like, oh, we got to be on this all the time. um, I feel like it's, you know, there's certain goals that I have. And I have like a weird relationship with goals because it's always like disappointing if you don't meet them, but you got to keep going for it, right? So I really want to do like a, I really, oh yeah, like a late night set. You know, that's probably like the next thing I'd love to do. And so I filmed a, I taped myself. It's like a five minute tape, you know, that you go oh, and nice. get. And it took me forever because you got to go do these shows. And again, like we were talking about, it's a new location each time. So you're like, I don't even know where to put the camera and is this audience going to be okay? So after probably months of trying to get a stupid five minute tape and also trying to morph your like 10 minute set into like, Oh, here, I'm going to do the five minute part. Yeah. Right. It's really weird. So I finally got one and then I sent that to my reps and I was like, okay, great. Send this out. I'm ready. And then like nothing. Right. And, and that's totally fine. So I was like, okay, you know, I guess nobody is biting and I like want to go through, I still want to do this. So I was going to try to like reach out to people I knew and it's weird because when you have reps it's like well you don't really want to like go around them because they have their system in place so I wasn't really sure what to do yet excuse me is um, that like mm-hmm. taboo to do that no I don't know that's the thing maybe I need to ask questions like that I have no idea because <laughs> you already have agents so you're like I don't want to do their job or make them feel like I'm right or like it's like, like I don't want it to be a thing where maybe they have a relationship with somebody and then you're like oh your client came and you know what I mean who knows I don't know I have literally absolutely no idea yeah. but um but I had like talked to some of these bookers before I'd met one of the bookers a long time ago and I have his and he like he had emailed me before so I kind of was like okay maybe I'll reach out directly didn't even do that but um because I was too worried but then very recently my um one of my managers like happened to one of his other clients recently did Colbert so then that booker is going to be in town and so like I was able to get a show that hopefully she can come to to watch, oh, you nice. know? So it's like, and I, she finally watched my tape too because he was able to get it to her directly and um, she like gave me notes, which is one step forward, but like not, you know, it's not ready yet. Yeah. basically the answer to that. So 
that was exciting and it felt like okay some progress is made but it takes a long time and like these things I think I was always such a needs to happen now and like if it doesn't happen now it's over kind of thing and now I'm like slowly learning okay these things take time and I need to be patient and I can't be like rushing people too too much because then I'm going to give up on things too soon I guess yeah but, you know, and again, that's not even a solid yes or anything, but it is at least like, a good it feels like, okay, these things are slow and that's good because then it gives me time. That's really cool. But I don't know. And then a lot of these things like don't happen, right? It's like, um, I was in a lot of stuff. Oh, there was that um, uh, acting out show on MTV, which I had taped like three years ago or something and um I was like very excited for that to come out when I first moved out here and it like didn't come out like they canceled it at a certain point like it came out eventually and I still put it on my bio because I'm like fuck it I did it but yeah um you know and that's a thing that happens all the time but I think at the time I just didn't know I just thought like if you tape something it'll air yeah um and learning that things don't always you know happen but that doesn't mean that it's on you is like a valuable lesson, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you got to keep going. Um, yeah. That's cool. That's insightful. Any parting advice or for people? Oh, I don't know. Like, uh, for people, uh, this is for people that are wanting to learn. Want to do comedy I guess stuff. I want to do comedy. Yeah, I'm I don't learning. know. I mean, I am still learning. Um, <laughs> I guess yeah. just, yeah, just that like, I always tend to like to return to the fact that, you know, if you're a fan then it'll always be fun and it'll always be worth it. Yeah. But I struggle with that sometimes because I'm like, I don't know. I get sick of watching comedy sometimes. I know. So yeah. But mm-hmm. um, do you have anything like coming out or like plugs for any mm-hmm. things you want people to do watch? Oh, I guess I have a podcast. That's oh, right. nice. I started that a little bit ago. It's called stay positive. Oh, stay positive. Yeah. What a okay. fun little name. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's on iTunes and shit. Um, do I have anything else? Not really. I mean, I guess hopefully watch whatever. I'm on Instagram, so I'll post about stuff cool. once that happens. But again, all the shows I work on, sometimes they don't come out. So who knows? What's a stay positive about? Oh, it's about staying positive. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's about, uh, I normally talk with like a guest about what they do in their life and then also about what their methods are to like keeping a happy outlook and cheesy stuff like that. So oh, that's cool. it's kind of all across the board. Like I, a lot of comedians, because I know comedians um, the most, but also people who are just kind of working in random things and joking around. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Cool. Fun. It's a fun thing. Well, sweet. Thanks cool. for doing the pod. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin NASA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, Bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.